0: Amen. You know, one of my favorite verses in the Bible is found in the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 5, verse 16. It simply says this, let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and they may glorify your Father which is in heaven. Today as we we think a little bit about that idea of the light, I want to remind you that today that this flame that we have here... this is your light, right? This represents your, your testimony, your legacy, the impact that you're going to have and the influence that you will have in your life into the lives of others. And so what's the question is really this. When does the light shine the brightest? We know the answer. The light shines the brightest when it's found in the greatest darkness, and so today for us, the, the big question that we want to ponder and think about today is, is simply this question, is how bright is your light in the darkness that you find in your life? I mean, for all of us, it represents different things. The darkness around us, can, we can feel it and sense it in different places. For some of you, it's simply found at your workplace, a place that you spend the majority of your week a space where the things of God have seemed to be pushed into the shadows and the wokeness of our culture seems to be placed upon a pedestal. For others of you, the darkness that you feel and sense is much more personal. It's even within the home front. With those people who are closest to you and the relationships that you care for the most, the struggle is there. And the holidays and the seasons, right, they, they seem just to, to magnify that feeling that we have within that at times everything feels a little dark. And for some of us, it's so personal. The battle of the darkness is even within our own mind and our own thoughts and our own feelings and our own emotions that come. And so as we think about all of those, my point this morning is simply this. It doesn't take long to identify the darkness of this world. But the great news today is that there is a hope and that this hope is found in the light that we see. John chapter eight verse twelve says again says this and again Jesus spoke to them saying says I am the light of the world and whoever follows me will not walk in darkness but will have the light of life and so today in our time I want to take some moments and study this I, I want to study the hope that is found in the light and we want to look at the light and in the light the hope that's found in that from the simple acts. Of kindness that really brings light into the darkness of our world. And specifically today, I wanna to talk about the simple act of kindness that's found in the words that we choose. And when I say that, it, it, boy, it sounds so easy, right? And so simple. Just be kind. Say kind words and the world will be kinder all around us. Just be kind and you'll bring a little light into the darkness. And that sounds simplistic, but here's the challenge. There are things that war against that light. There are things that want to extinguish the flame of your influence, of me and for you. There are things that want to war against it as we go. And so I want to encourage you today, as we think about that, just like a a flame needs oxygen to breathe and to grow, we'll see today that the kindness needs the work of the Spirit in your lives to be all that God's called you to be in that. You see, today, as we think about the things that diminish our, our, our light, I'm reminded again, we are in a cultural conflict like never before. Arthur Brooks at this year's last prayer breakfast in DC simply made this comment. He said, listen, we have moved to a culture of contempt to the age of harshness. Contempt, he says this, contempt is a conviction of the utter, utter worthlessness of our opponents. They are not just misguided and wrong. They are stupid and worthless. And as I heard that, can I confess to you that That's a timely word for me because there are times that I have felt that tension in my heart. A harshness towards those that may have a different ideology or a different perspective on different things. And if I let that harshness fester in my soul, it has the capacity to eventually just extinguish the light that God has called me to do. So today I want to give you some some thoughts as Jesus teach on this. And let me just give you a little context for the power of the of not only the truth, but the power of the passage that it's found in that we're gonna look at today. Because in this passage we're gonna see in, in the book of Mark Matthew in just a moment, Jesus is dealing with this heavy issue with this idea of the unpardonable sin. And uh, as Jesus is dealing with this significant issue of this unpardonable sin, this eternal issue, what's really fascinating is he tethers with this teaching the importance of the power of our words. So here's the context real quick. Matthew chapter 12, Jesus has just healed a man who was demon-possessed. And the Pharisees, the religious leaders of the day, the representatives of the nation of Israel, accused Jesus of working through the power of Satan himself. That Satan was the one that gave you the power to cast out these, uh, these demons. And so Jesus then condemns them for their blasphemy. And, and here's why. Because their words give it, gave evidence of the condition of their hearts. We're going to see here in a moment. Jesus wasn't just condemning their speech. It's not a speech issue. It was a heart issue that these, mean, these men faced. And their words simply declared the unbelief that was in their heart. So big thought for today. Here it is. If the heart is a treasury of good, the good will overflow through the lips and do good to others. But if the heart is a treasury of evil, that evil will spill over through the lips and do harm to the person speaking and to those listening. So that's where we're going to go today. So if you've got your Bibles, go with me to the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 12. If you've got your phones again, uh, fire them up to lexcity.info. All the sermon notes are there as we begin Matthew chapter 12, the words of Jesus, verse 33 says this, either make the tree good and it's good fruit or make the tree bad and it's bad fruit for the tree is known by its fruit, right? The the tree is known by the fruit. Now that's It's intuitively, we we know that to be true, right? I I could list for you the name of a coworker, a a family member, a teacher, a coach, or a neighbor, and, and you would know if they were kind or if they were not kind simply by the fruit of their lives, right? That image comes, you know how they live it every day. Now, for all of us, the same is true for us, right? People would say our name... Kindness, that scale quickly rolls to their mind, and, and we know that. And so we try so hard, isn't it, to, to make people think that we're kind. We want to put on this image, this facade of kindness about ourselves, and so we smile, right? We say nice things, we do nice things. You come to church and walk through the doors, oh, I'm blessed, and here we go. We, we try so hard to do this, but here is the challenge that takes an awful lot of work. And eventually, you don't have the energy to keep faking the facade. You ever felt that way at different times? I mean, it's the non-relenting stress that just empties the cup, right? There's relational conflict. There's, there's habitual pain we live in every day that just seems to drop the meter lower and lower. There's selfishness. There's unhealthy associates and people that we do life with. And quickly, if we're not careful, that kindness that we're trying so hard to betray to everybody quickly begins to fade away. And as I think about this area of kindness, I think what makes kindness so hard is, is listen, kindness is not a personality trait that you're born with. Certain colors aren't kind and other colors aren't. It's not a personality trait you're born with. It's not even something that randomly happens. I always love the concept of random acts of kindness. There is nothing random about kindness. It's an intentional thing you choose or you don't. It's a byproduct. Here's really the key, what makes it so difficult. Kindness is a byproduct of submitting ourselves to the Holy Spirit every day. In fact, it's, it's a fruit of the Spirit, the Bible says. So no spirit, right? No fruit. It's the reality of the kindness. And so this is what angers Jesus so much with the Pharisees, right? And this teaching that we see in Matthew chapter 12, that these religious leaders... These supposedly spiritual people who were the uh, religious leaders of the day, they had this ritualistic faith, that has no relationship with God. There's no spirit evident in their lives, and so Jesus is going to call it out. Listen, there's no fruit in your lives that is really true. You're just spiritual leaders with no fruit, and all you have is judgment. We'll see this as we go. So Jesus calls out their hypocrisy, and I love this because this thing escalates really quickly. Jesus begins by calling him just a group of bad trees that can't produce real fruit, and then it escalates it really quickly. Now he's going to call him a brood of poison-speaking vipers, right? Verse 34, you brood of vipers, how can you speak good when you are evil? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The good person out of his good treasure brings forth good. And the evil person, out of his evil treasure, brings forth evil. One of the most basic principles, right, we see all throughout Scripture about the human condition and the reality of our hearts. And it simply tells us this, that what the mouth speaks what's in the heart. What a person is on the inside, their words will eventually give evidence to, on the outside, of what's happening internally. Now, this is humbling when you think about this, right? If the words we say... (laughs) Give evidence to reality of what is really happening within our lives. Now, think about this: from the moment we say good morning to good uh, good night, the average person engages in 30 conversations each day. His words make up a book of about 50 to 60 pages. So, in the context of a year, that's an equivalent of over 100 books of 200 pages of words that we say every single day. Now, that's the average person. I'm looking around you. Some of y'all got some gust. I mean, there's gust of like 100 books a day between what you say and what you text, and on we go. so here's the point that he's gonna make, right? Every day, every day we have the opportunity to do good or to cause harm. And when I think about that reality, I I wanna say, right, within my own power, well, then the key is I've just gotta try harder, I've just got to have better intentions about the, the things that I want to do. And, and for some of you, when I think about this area of the words, your heart already runs to that conviction a little bit on that. And it's like, okay, all right. Every morning I'm going to get up and I'm going to do better at this thing, right? No yelling, no sarcasm, uh, no posting unfiltered thoughts. Uh, and it's all, we're ready to go. And then your feet hit the ground. And we're back into an everyday normal life. James knows this. In James chapter 3, verse 2, he says it this way For we all stumble in many ways, and if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he's a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. He's saying, listen, man, if you could control your tongue, if you had the power to do that simply through self effort, you would be absolutely perfect. Because the tongue, out of all the appendages we have, the tongue is the most difficult one to control. And we know it to be true, right? If you harbor ill will or unforgiveness towards somebody, eventually, as much as you try to squelch it down, those feelings and those thoughts, they begin to creep out in our speech. And for some of you, it may be passive aggressive, and for some of you, it may be flat out combative. Uh, but we all know Thanksgiving turkey dinners that have been ruined uh, by an unbridled tongue because it was right underneath the surface that was there. If anger, right, if anger permeates your heart, oh, all you gotta do is step on a Lego, that piece that somebody did not put out and put away. Um, all you gotta do is follow, follow somebody in the left-hand lane on New Circle Road who's going, there's two lanes, you know what I'm saying? One's for me and one's for the... I mean, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I do pretty well about two exits. And then all of a sudden, things that your tongue unleashes in your mind are scary, right? And we know these things. And we're not even talking about getting... Think with the world we live in. We're not even talking about getting in the political world, right? Or getting in the conversations. Are you vaxxed or unvaxxed and all we can go? Few topics move us to contempt... In 2021, in our culture than these issues of politics and things, where we live in a culture of harshness, do we not? We are just one rant away from exploding the garbage that lives within our hearts and the anger that's there. You say, "Well, thank you, Pastor. that's really nice, but really what's the big deal, right? I, I'm just being me. I'm just being authentic. I'm just keeping it real, man. I can't be hiding who I really am and how I really think, right? I'm just keeping it real. Here's the problem with keeping it real as a Christ follower is you are accountable for your realness. Unguarded moments reveal our true character. As a follower of Christ, I don't have that luxury and you don't have that luxury of I'm just being authentic, just sharing what I'm thinking. Here's what the Bible tells us. Verse 36, continue on. I tell you on the day of judgment, People will give an account for every careless word they speak, for by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. Quick clarity, salvation and condemnation are not produced by words or kindness, but they are manifested by them. You see the difference. My words and kindness aren't what saved me, but because I am saved, my words and kindness will be manifested because of the relationship I have in, with God. Saved people speak kindness, and lost people speak harshness and contempt And words and kindness. Here's the challenge: they are objective; they are observable evidence of a personal spirit, a person's spiritual condition. So, the speech of a redeemed person needs to be different because it comes out of a renewed heart. I don't have that luxury. And you don't have that luxury of just speaking harsh, unguarded words because you want to just keep it real. Ephesians chapter four, verse 29 says this, let no corrupt talk come out of your mouth, but only such which is good for building up as it fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. Kindness chooses the right words at the right time for the right reasons. Kindness, it's an amazing thing. It's a gift. It's a gift that you give to those that are around you. In 2021, as we head into 2022, listen, kindness is a rare gift. But think about what kindness does. Kindness sees others as a person and not a problem, and not an inconvenience. Kindness listens rather than simply trying to control. It humanizes rather than demonizes, and it serves rather than manipulates. Kindness. It takes the tension out of a room, and it brings hope and cheer to where there is despair. Kindness. It brings peace. And it brings unity to family gatherings. Proverbs 12, verse 25. An anxious heart weighs a man down, but a kind word cheers him up. So this week, holidays, can I just encourage you, while you're passing the turkey and the gravy around the table, to think... Before you speak, and so to help you think, let me just give you a little acrostic for thinking today to encourage your heart. T, as we think about think, number first question, simply this, is it truthful, the things that you say? Before you say something, the question is, is it truthful? Is it the whole truth and nothing but the truth? Or is it truth that's been twisted and manipulated to make me look better and to make me look smarter and to make you look less is the truth H is it helpful does this conversation help anyone or does it actually find itself being harmful in the lives of the people I'm having the conversation with is it even helpful I is it inspirational at the end of my time will the person feel like I believe in them that I'm on their team? I don't have to agree with them on all things, but do they feel like I believe in them and and I'm I'm for them? Will people feel better about themselves and their situation when you are in the room? I'm gonna tell you if you know, if people feel better about you being that kind of person, they wanna sit by you. Nobody wants to sit by you. It's because by the time they're done sitting next to you, they feel worse about themselves than they feel before they sat by you. The beauty is, and you look around. You might look like some of you. Like some of you, you are the people I want to spend Thursday hanging out with because just being in your presence encourages me. You're inspiring, and I appreciate that so much about you. Number uh, next one is N. Is it necessary? Ooh, this is a tough one. This is the one I've got to remind myself of. Is it necessary? There's nothing wrong with what I'm saying or thinking, but if the other person is not open to it. Is this conversation necessary? This is what I found that's been the hardest in 2021. Nobody's moving from whatever opinion they have, right? You picked your tribe, we're in the tribe. And so I can sit and argue for four hours and by the time we're done, all we've done is pick tribes along those things. So here's the challenge if I'm not careful. Do I create barriers to the gospel by debating secondary issues? It's my fear. So we've created barriers and we've put harm in relationships over secondary issues and the gospel has been lost in the midst of this, am I trying to prove that I'm right, or am I just attempting to seek understanding as we go? Is it necessary? William Barclay said many, many years ago. He simply said this: More people have been brought into the church by the kindness of Christian love and words than by all the theological arguments in the world. Right. Our culture does not need another theological argument in the moment. They just need some kindness of words that will open a heart and we can have that theological conversation at some point but it's gotta start with the act of kindness that's there. And finally, K is simply this on think. K is this, is it simply this, is it kind? <laughs> is it kind? You know, Mark Twain said it this way, kindness is the language that the deaf can hear and the blind can see. It's kindness. And I love the way Scripture puts it once again in the book of Psalms. The book of Psalms one hundred forty one three simply says this says, Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips.